morning to you guys. How y'all doing? Oh, man. Um, <clears throat> yeah, just uh, getting in the saddle here. The first service was really good. Uh, glad to be here at Waterfront. Usually I step in for Zach when he's um, out and about, traveling or doing whatever. Uh, so I'm always honored to, to step in and help serve and you know, just share what, what I believe the Lord has laid on my heart for this body of believers. Um, if you guys know who I am, you know me. And, and so uh, good to see you from up here. Hey, Georgetown in the house, let's go. <clears throat> and um, if you don't know me, my name is Roswell Smith, and I serve FCA here in D.C. as chief director. Uh, FCA stands for Fellowship of Christian Athletes, if you didn't know. And so we serve um, coaches, ADs, and athletes through uh, just sports, competency, character development. But the ultimate goal is to present the faith, is to present the gospel, and so in the room, if you look around, we've got several of, um, of our uh, schools represented in the room. Like I said, Georgetown, GW's in the house, uh, athletes. Put your hands up just by a show of your, here you go. Yeah, so, so we love our athletes. And um, I, I, I invite the waterfront household to love on these guys and these gals. Love on them. They need it. And so uh, thank you for being here. Um, Going to be in Galatians 5. So go ahead and turn your Bibles to Galatians 5. Today, I'm going to talk to you about what I believe is a, a very simple message, but sometimes it's the simple things that are the hardest things to do. Amen? <clears throat> okay. Sometimes it's the things that we should be doing that, that should come to us as, uh, for lack of better words, easy to do, that are really challenging for us to do. And Galatians 5 is one of those passages. If you look at your Bibles, you, you might even have a subtitle that says, Walk by the Spirit or Walk in the Spirit, which I do believe for this, this message, um, that is a great subtitle. But also, too, um, I, would, I would like to point out that this passage speaks to the issue of kindness, generosity, and just plain and simple being polite. Amen? Just being nice. Just being nice to people. And I believe the tools to do that are in Galatians 5. So if you're there, say, I got it. If you're not there, say, hold on, bro. I heard a, it wasn't very loud, but I heard the hold on. Like it was a squeak. Um, and we'll give a few more seconds and we'll turn there. Let's pray for a minute. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to, to be with you and be together with uh, this church, this family, these friends. We ask you to bless our time as we continue to worship you through your word. My, my, my prayer is that our hearts will be uh, prepared and softened to receive what you have for us today. So Lord, give us power, give us wisdom, help us to, to run this race and help us to receive what you have for us in this leg of the race. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Galatians 5 speaks to a lot of um, what it means to, to walk in the spirit. I do... Uh, want to point out a few things before getting into the meat of the message. The Apostle Paul is the author of this um, book, writing to a church that, that is in desperate need of um, <laughs> these things. And a lot of times in Paul's writings, you see him call out and point out things that they should not be doing. And so here in this text, he does that. And before he does that, though, he reminds the, the uh, readers of this passage that um, there are things to consider. Like our call to freedom. We're called to be free in Jesus, right? 
Uh, he talks about that. He also talks about um, loving your neighbor. References the old, you know, one of the golden rule teachings of Jesus Christ, that loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Um, because he wants them to understand that you can do a lot of things, but if you ain't doing the simplest thing, then you might need to kind of recalibrate what you're doing, right? Take a step back and gain some, some outlook. But then right around the 16th verse, uh, Paul, as I like to say, pulls out the steak knives and he begins to cut right down to the real issue. He just cuts right to the bone of what I believe is the, 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 the mechanics that, that work behind the scenes and how we treat people, plain and simple, right to the heart of the issue. What, what is the root of being polite? What is that the root of being kind? And vice versa, if you're, if you're just a mean person or you just always find yourself you know, angry or frustrated, what's at the root of that? And so to get down really to it, because he wants to help these, these uh, folks out in Galatians, he just cuts right to it. And so in verse 16, I want you to turn Scroll down to verse 16 and read there, and we'll start right there. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets itself against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition. Somebody say opposition. To one another, so that you may not do the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The deeds of the flesh are obvious, are evident. Which are? You got a whole list of them. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions among you, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you just as I have forewarned you. All of these things actually have like words that we use today. I won't go into all of them, but just think about when you, know, you see stuff out in the world or you kind of see activities and behaviors. Yeah, they fall in this, in this line right here. Because he just gives some words. You're like, hold on, man, what, what is carousing? Uh, there's a word for that. So <laughs> most important thing at the back end of verse 21, he says, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you're taking notes, which I see some of you astute Christians are, uh, I would draw a line right under that phrase. Those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The secret in that phrase is inherit. If you understand what an inheritance is, you will understand what that scripture means. Because in an inheritance, you can't work for it. I don't care how smart you are, how hard you are, or how great you are. You can't work for an inheritance, right? It's just what? It's given to you. Nothing you can do. There's no good work you can do. And I believe Paul was nodding at the idea of God's kingdom. Uh, Reference Jesus, right, in Luke, I believe, 16, the rich young ruler. Run up, you know, chase Jesus down. Oh, man, here he is. And the Bible says that this young man asked Jesus, he said, you know, he came up to him all political. Lord, Lord, you know, I see you're awesome. He said, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And in that question, he already failed the test because there's nothing you can do. You can't, you can't do anything to get an inheritance. It's given to you. But like he does so many times, he entertained the conversation, right? Because he was more interested in getting this guy the truth than he was to proving him wrong, which is a no for some of us and how we treat people, and do we want really to get them to truth, or do we want to be right all the time? 
different discussion for a different time. But Jesus does this. He engages this young man. And most of y'all, us know the story, gets him down to the end of it. He can't let go of his stuff because he thought that he could actually do something viscerally, do something tangibly to inherit eternal life. In the same vein, the Apostle Paul, I believe, is nodding at the church. To inherit God's kingdom, it's got to be a heart transformation. It's got to be internal. And I love that he doesn't stop there. In the next verse, 22, he says, but the fruit of God or the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ, Jesus have crucified the flesh with its desires and passions. So he's painting a picture here of how to walk in the spirit, spirit life, being spirit-led, being spirit-filled, whatever denomination you grew up in, wherever you're from. I know there's a bunch of them in this room probably. We got some, some Pentecostal folk, some Baptist folk, maybe even some Episcopal, some Catholic, but wherever you phrase it, there is a such thing or a such reality of living a life that is controlled and led by the Spirit of God. Amen. Can we agree on that much? No matter how you want to call it, how you want to phrase it, right? It's like in football, we have different, different plays or different names for plays, but the reality is that that's just a screen. Call it a hundred different things, right? They're running the screen, <laughs> right? It's what it is. Same thing here. It is what it is. And a life controlled by the Spirit that's led by the Spirit is viscerally different, right? It's tangibly different. So this intangible, unvisceral like transformation that happens inside of our heart that we can't do anything just to receive, just to trust, has a very visceral and tangible outcome. Did y'all see that? There are certain things. In other words, the Spirit enables us and loves us deeply that it changes our hearts. And out of that deep love and deep transformation, we are enabled to do. We are enabled to be kind. We're able, enabled to have patience. We're enabled to have peace. We are almost like activated, like turned, turned on to kindness. And some of us, in our understanding of this verse, I believe, and I was once there too, maybe you're not there, but for good measure, this is not about your personality. Oh, I'm a super nice person, so this is easy, or I just don't like people. <laughs> I just don't like to be around people. I, I have a hard time being. is isn't about your personality. It's about you saying Jesus is Lord, making a decision, a choice to live into the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. When you get squeezed, when you have uh, challenges in your life, when you have adverse conditions, if you're tired or you feel weak or whatever the case may be, you get frustrated, you have to make a choice to live into joy, to live into peace to live into long-suffering, to live into being patient, to live into being kind. It's a choice. We're not robots. And I love that about God is that he calls us to live relationally with him. And he calls us to, to humble ourselves and to position our lives in such a way that these things begin to manifest and take shape. And look at verse 25. Look at what he says. The last part of this chapter, he says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk or follow the Spirit's leading. Let us not become boastful, challenging each other, envying each other. So even when we begin to walk, 
He's warning us of the potential to become boastful because of the good works you've done. So he's just giving me, like, right at the heart of this thing, right? This is like, let me give you the power on how to live according to the Spirit. Let me show you what it looks like to live into real life, into real power. I forget, man, when I was in college, I had a, um, a teammate <clears throat> that was coming to the faith. He was from the streets of Dallas, Texas. I think he was South Oak Cliff. So, yes, that's hood. My man, you know Palmer. That's, that's straight up hood. And uh, rough out there. So he gets to this environment, way far from home, totally opposite where he's from, and these, these, these things begin to get presented to him, you know, just Jesus talking, loving your neighbor, and all those things. He's like, man, he's like, what does that look like? I don't know how to do that, you know? And so the answer is like, man, you just got to trust that Jesus' word is true, and you got to believe in it and anchor yourself in it. So over time, you start seeing this dude change. You start seeing his attitude change, the way he carried himself, the way he spoke to people. And the way he treated people and all he was doing, he just trusted and believed. He just began to, to center his life around the truth. He began to center his life around the gospel. And what happened was because every day he made a choice to live into, right, Jesus, he was transformed by it. And that's what a life controlled by the Holy Spirit looks like. It's not you going out on a street corner and doing all of these good works, Alone. It's not even so much that alone, but it's the attitude of every day. I'm going to take time to understand what God's word is saying, and I'm going to put myself in a position. I'm going to anchor myself. I'm going to posture my heart, even to the point, posture my life physically so that I can live this out. And every one of us needs that today. Every one of us sitting in this room with no heat, scarfs on, beanies on, jackets on, right? Every one of us is called to the carpet on this is if you are living a life that is not yielding these, these, these uh, fruit of the Spirit, right, joy, peace, if, you, if your life is yielding frustration and anger and bitterness and you're always walking around salty, right, can't forgive nobody, if these are things that are going on in your life, friend, I'm here to tell you that maybe Galatians 5 should be a compass for you in this season of your life, amen? Maybe it should be a, a, a marker for you. It's a game when I grew up, uh, some of y'all, we're gonna date you real quick. Game called Tetris. Yeah, how many of y'all know what Tetris is by show of hands? Tetris, yeah. How many of you guys don't know what Tetris is? We gotta talk at the end of service. I'm just playing, no, we, most of us know. So Tetris, the idea of the game, all these shapes come out, right, on the top of this, it's like this, this, whatever it was, just out of the top of the screen. And some of them, you ever think about it? It's actually kind of a weird game. It's like, where are these shapes coming from? It's like you start thinking about the stuff. Who governed these shapes, right? Some of them are like L's. Some of them are triangle shaped, right angles. Some of them are just long, you know, straight, straight sticks. And some of them just don't matter how much. You got to make the whole thing fit. You got to make it fit together. And the idea is if you make them fit together, if you, if you, if you do the right Tetris, Man, you get a lot of points and you keep on playing and you never lose. It just keeps on going. But if you have bad Tetris, the bad mixture of shapes, real quick, it started piling up. And y'all notice it gets faster as you go. So if you, if you really suck at the game, it gets harder because it speeds up on you. Because the game doesn't like it when you don't make it fit. And so you lose. The idea of Galatians 5, I just for a simpli simplistic reasons, is that bad Tetris... It's all of that stuff that your flesh produces. This is bad Tetris. And good Tetris 
is the fruit, right? It's that good stuff, and then things kind of begin to work, and they begin to make sense. And when you have bad Tetris in your life, it's not that you're a bad person, but what it does is it disrupts everything in your life. It's disruptive. You're not going to hell in a handbasket, not, not to that point, but the whole point of it is it just disrupts everything you're trying to do. It's counterproductive. It doesn't make any sense. And things pile up on you, and it's like, man, what am I going to do? And you don't realize, man, that this, this attitude that I have, man, this venom behind my statements, I'm carrying grudges, I'm bitter all the time, I don't attract the right kind of people, I project this stuff. It's producing bad Tetris, and it's disrupting the flow of my life. You want your life to flow. I deal with athletes, and I sit, and I got, I got kids back in Houston I'm still dealing with, that, I, that I've invested my whole 10 years of my, of my career and my ministry in. And that's what everything comes back to, man, is there a flow in your life? What's the flow like? You find yourself stopping and going, or are things... There's going to be seasons where it gets, it gets rough, it gets hard. It's not, I'm not saying that you're going to have a happy-go-lucky, every day is going to be you know, green passes, but there's not a flow. And even when you do experience adversity and things get rough, you still have the wisdom to navigate it without crashing the car. My point, church, is that we have to get to a place in our spiritual maturity, we recognize simple things and, and, and things that, that, that bring about fruit or things that bring about disaster disruption and begin to organize your life accordingly. Amen. It's all Paul's trying to do here. Paul knows who he's talking to. He knows who he's talking to. He's talking to people just like he was. We forget, man. Paul wrote this stuff and Paul's conversion was so extreme and so, you know, transformative that people even doubted what he was writing. They didn't know, man, is this real? Is this dude, is this, this letter that we're reading, is this really from the guy? Imagine that. But he himself underwent and was undergoing transformation. And I believe the Apostle Paul, writing this stuff, had to have been in a position in his life where he was every day making a choice to live by the Spirit, to be kind, not ugly and mean and angry. Holy Spirit comes to your life to do a work on you. And one thing I, 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 I th- I'm so thankful and I appreciate about God is that God will work on you and will transform you. At the same time, he will use you. At the same time, he'll produce in your life. So it's not this deal where you got to like come and show up and do all these good works, check a box. No, no, God said, I'm going I'm to use this. I'm going I'm to do some stuff in your life, but I'm going to do some stuff in you as well. And as you are impacting the world around you, I'm going to impact you. And that's what a relationship looks like with the Lord. It's not him coming down, controlling you, causing you to do something you don't want to do robotically. No, it's, 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 the, it's the call. The Apostle Paul in the first part of this chapter, he said, man, brother, you call the freedom. <laughs> you call the freedom. Don't forget that. The call to freedom means I'm free to choose this day. I will please God, will serve the Lord, or serve myself. And, I, and, I, and I'm telling y'all, we're going there in a minute, but there's some, there some of us in this room, we don't understand the fight that we're in every day. We carry this us versus them mentality, and it's like me versus the world. That's one thing, man. I, got a, I have a little cousin. He's not really in the faith yet, but he's such a great athlete and a great kid, and he just has this, like, it's me versus the world mentality. And I'm like, bro, like, man, I see what you're doing, but that's not going to yield you in this life what you want. You're creating enemies. 
It's not productive. It's a very immature way to live as a Christian. All we can do is just witness to people and model for them and try to get them to the space of seeing Jesus for what he is. Walking in the spirit does that. That's what it's about. I love this text because this shows us that our behavior and our actions and how we treat people have an outcome. Amen. You walk around the city and you're ugly to people, they're going to be what? Ugly back to you. <laughs> Talking to folk crazy, not respecting them, being, being ugly on your job, your motive isn't where it needs to be. There are certain things you do because you, it's so serving it all comes back. It's not karma. It's sowing and reaping. <laughs> and what you sow, you will reap. The things you do, how you treat people, you're sowing seeds, and behavioral seeds almost. And this is what the Apostle Paul is producing or trying to produce in the church is that his attitude of, of how the church should operate. I love how he positions the two against each other because it is, so, it is so down to, it's not dogmatic as much as it is, it's just real life. It's just, it's just simple, right? It's not about like being wrong theologically with the right words. It's just about this is what's happening every day in your life. Some of us is so simple, it's down to, in Tom and Jerry cartoon, I'm dating myself again, uh, in most cartoons, it's usually like, you know, when, when the character in the cartoon has a decision to make, sometimes they have like a little angel pop up on this side, right? And you say, man, do what's right, do good. And then sometimes you have a, a little devil on this side. No, man, like, don't do that. Don't do, like, do, do what you want to do. You know, serve yourself. Go ahead, man, it's justified, do it. And that's the way things are with us every day. Choices out here. Yeah, every day is a choice. If you don't believe that, look at verse, verse 15. I'm sorry, verse uh, 16, he lays out, but I say to you, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to each other. There's a war going on. Every day we're at war with ourselves. It's not us versus the world, us versus them. And so many times in, in the Christian culture, we have like kind of sometimes it's this, we, we fall into this mode of us versus them, and it's not us versus them. It's you against you. It's you against you, uh, you against a spirit living through you. You make choices every day to live into the Holy Spirit's call to your life, to produce goodness, to produce kindness, joy, peace. For the gals in the room and the guys who compete as athletes, man, you do it. You're competing, you're making a choice on how you're gonna compete, right? Is that guy cost me my enemy or is that my brother just wearing a different uniform? Consider that. Consider your coworker, your boss that you just can't get along with for some, for some strange reason. There's personality differences. It's like Enneagrams are way opposite. Just can't, can't get along with the guy, the gal. Don't understand why. It's not you versus them. It's you against you. And there's no magical like Bird gonna come down and, and make you do, it's not gonna happen, forget about it. There's no miraculous, it's God's word, it's God's spirit that is inside of you and, and, and inviting you, enabling you to live in power and producing the fruit of the spirit. It's you versus you every day. 
And you make a choice every day. For me, just to invite you to my, my, my days as a young Christian, it's so hard because for so long in my life, I've done things my way. Maybe some of you, you guys have been there. You guys have been there where you just, your compass was not Jesus. Your true north was yourself. It wasn't Jesus. It wasn't, it wasn't the gospel. It was you. And it may have been things that you maybe learned from academia. You thought, man, you know what? This is how I'm going to do it. This is what makes it. This is what does it. For me, it was every day, man, I had to make a choice to live into the spirit. Regardless of your personality, regardless of what you've been through, your experience in life, your, your downfalls, your situation, you have to make a choice daily to live into the fruit of the spirit. Just live into it. Paul lays out the call to freedom. You're called to freedom. Love God, love people, right? Don't forget that. And then right to the bone of it, you got to make a choice because you're at war every day. It's not going to be easy. I believe that some part of Paul, out of his own experience, was, was calling the church out in Galatia. He was, he was challenging them. He was calling them out. Like a coach to an athlete, right? Man, dude, I need you to step up. I need you to see what this is and get with the program. Right to the bone, man. The works of the flesh are obvious. It's not a, a mystery or rocket science. It's simple. <laughs> Anger, lust, envy, desires of the flesh, disruptive things, disruptors. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness. And then he challenges the church and encourages them and says, against these things, there's no law. In other words, there's no judgment. There's no condemnation. You, you, you are living in the fullness of who God has called you to be. And other people are impacted by it. Whether you can see the impact or not, it's there. How many times you have a conversation and you, you knew that, man, if I, if, I, if I say the wrong thing, this person's going to just go off. They're going to they're gonna lose their stuff, right? <laughs> Some of you laughing. But you got to be careful. It's almost like you're tippy-toeing tippy around what you're going to say, and you got to be careful what you say because you know that this is the, the, that kind of sensitivity happening there. But when you, when, you, when you live by the Spirit, the Spirit, hey, man, just, just listen. You know, being kind, being polite, kindness. A lot of kindness isn't about what you do. It's about just your, your, your posture, right, how you listen to people, how you receive them. Do you seek to understand people? Or do you seek to be understood for your own motivation or your own agenda? When you listen to somebody, are you really listening to what they're saying actively? I think about all the folks in the world who, who are struggling right now with, with mental emotional health, right? They're not healthy emotionally. They're not healthy spiritually. They're not healthy mentally because they haven't ever been loved, been heard, or listened to. What I'm saying to you is sometimes kindness isn't always like a an, an, an random act of kindness. Sometimes it's, 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 it's you taking an inventory in your life, relationships, coworkers, strangers. How do I treat them at the core of who I am, at the core of our dynamic relationally? How am I treating this person at the core of what they're experiencing and I'm experiencing? Because the Apostle Paul, man, these letters he wrote to the church, at the end of the day, it's just people, right? It's just people. He's trying to help them navigate the Christian life. 
And it was so hard for some of these people to get their head around this stuff. You're talking about decades and years of personality and belief system, rewiring of how they think. And Paul's plea is that only the Holy Spirit can do this. Only a submission to the, the leadership of the Spirit of God can produce and do this rewiring. It takes him. I'll tell you a story, and then we'll close. Um, when I was in Houston, part of what I was doing, probably for the good amount of 12 years, I was a part of a movement, a team of, of uh, coaches, pastors, a team of even um, therapists who were, who were doing different nonprofit work in Third Ward, Houston. So Third Ward is where U of H is and Rice University, two of the biggest schools in that part of the country. Um, U of H is the Harvard of the South. And so just to give you some context, but that's what they call it at least. Great school, but right across the street from it is a, is a neighborhood called Third Ward. It's an area called Third Ward. In the Houston, the ward system, there were four, five wards. Um, first ward to fifth ward. And Third Ward was right in the heart of the city, right next to downtown, known for violence, drugs, all types of crazy stuff happens in Third Ward. And then right next to it is U of H. So we were down there just asking the question, how can we help bless this community? We got involved with the campus and we leveraged some kids in the campus, some athletes, got them into the neighborhood, to prayer walk, to serve the families. Over the course of a couple of years, we would identify um, homes that were open to the message of the gospel. And so what would happen was we would, we would say, hey, would you guys let us you know, have a worship service in your house? And they'd say, yeah. So, so over the course of like three or four years, we launched four house churches. One of those house churches was um, very interesting because the lady who owned the house was a, a drug lord and, and known to have been very abusive to her neighborhood. Her name was Aunt B. And then Aunt B, <laughs> man, she's a trip, handful. We showed up one day and she's like, hey, you know, what y'all doing over here? We see y'all walking and praying. We see this, uh, what, what church y'all from, right? Just real rough and so I, I go up to her, hey, you know, we're, we're not from a church here. We're just, we're just from the city. We love this neighborhood. We want to love on it. We never really would say we're from a church because the church to them was like, uh-uh. They don't want nothing to do with you because they had experienced so much heartbreak in the city from churches around them, which is a different discussion entirely. So we understood our context, and we went in with the right attitude and the right position of, okay, let's, let's figure this thing out. So Aunt B says, I want you guys to come over. I got some nephews. I got some friends. We need to hear this message. And we're like, what about you? You know, you need to hear it. And she'd always like kind of dance around it. I said, no, no, I got some friends. You need to hear it. Just come on over. So we go over there, right? Aunt B, man, real mean. Like you could just see, she always had a scowl on her face. She wouldn't smile that much. Uh, real, <laughs> real violent. There were stories about her. They were like, lady had like, you know, she stabbed somebody before and all this stuff. So just kind of give you an idea of what this lady was known for, okay? Happens over the course of a year or two, she began to change and her nephew, his name was Mike Jones, uh, he rolls up one day in his, in his 85 Cutlass, it's all, it's all souped up, you know, it's, it's like Houston, right? If you know Houston, it's like to the T. White walls, um, crazy. Mike Jones rolls up and says, hey, what y'all doing in this house, man? And we said, hey, man, like, we're just, we're just hanging out, you know, with Aunt B. And it's about, at this point, it's about 15 people in this house church. And Mike Jones says, uh, but bro, 
Whatever y'all are doing, keep on doing it. Aunt B's different, man. And we're like, oh yeah, how's she different? And we're just talking. It's me and this guy named Justin. We're just hanging out talking with him. And he's like, uh, bro, she's nice now. I can't, I can't explain it. <laughs> That's all he can say. <laughs> and with tears in his eyes, and even telling you the story, it, it, it chokes me up. With tears in his eyes, he said, man, she used to be mean. Like, dude, she, y'all know Aunt B. You know, y'all know who she is. I know y'all know about her drugs, like, but y'all still keep coming over here and you still keep loving her. And we're, we're trying to tell him, hey man, we, we just came here because we knew that you know, God wanted us here. We were led here by, the, by God's spirit, believe that Aunt B's just a person, you know, even though she's got this history. And uh, he's like, well, keep on coming. And so my, my friend Justin, the guy that I was kind of mentoring, he, he said, hey, so what about you? And Mike says, well, I don't really like church, man, I don't do that thing, but, but uh, just pray for me. And so Justin, engages Mike Jones in this dynamic. They began to meet and have coffee every week. And uh, after about a, two months of that, Mike Jones comes to house church, starts showing up, starts changing. Addictions, violence, anger, frustration, harboring unforgiveness, harboring, harboring real, I mean, real smoke with people. And I mean, really, this, this, this area is so, is so drug controlled. <laughs> trap houses on every corner. For those who know a trap, a trap house is, is a house that is dedicated to the funneling of what? Drugs. All around this area, Third Ward, and that whole block, that whole block was like three or four streets. All of them were parallel to the uh, main street, which was Scott Street. Changed. Changed because one woman made a choice to live into what Galatians 5 talks about. She still was smoking, you know. You could see her, you could in her house, you could smell it, you know, and but but she was changing. And people who knew her, who knew who she was, could see the difference. And it was just enough to draw them in. That's really how movements begin, right? It's just enough to get them inside the door. And once God gets inside that, I mean, it's a wedge, right? Once he gets inside of that, that wedge, the rest is history. He's irresistible. <laughs> Come on, man. y'all. When you taste and see how good God is, man, and it's, it, I mean, all he needs is that much. Just give me an inch. That's all we needed. Just let us, just hear us out. Aunt B, Mike Jones, that whole, all her, this lady was a matriarch. All her cousins and nephews and nieces, all of them were coming to this house church. They could not believe what was happening. And it was just simple. It was just a bunch of house churches. There, there were several others like that. Same evidence, same spiritual DNA. Simple, but effective. So I present to you as we close I invite you to consider where you are with this Galatians 5 dynamic in your life. What is it yielding? Are you disrupted with anger, frustration, bitterness, envying? You're harboring these things in your heart. Are you choosing to live into daily joy, peace, forgiveness, long-suffering, self-control? It's, it's, it's a it's the question for those of us who would call ourselves mature Christians is this. Spiritual maturity is the consistent application of elementary things 
Spiritual maturity is not the occasional doing of extraordinary things. It is the consistent application of elementary things. That's what being mature spiritually is. Doing what Galatians 5 says, that's what being mature spiritually is. Spiritual maturity is not reduced to a gift or an idea of something you do well. That's not what being mature spiritually is. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. He transforms us. You can't buy it. You can't pay for it. You can't do good works to get it. It's an inheritance based off of your belief in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's what it is. Amen. It is the idea of you submitting your life, posturing yourself, and saying, and inviting Lord, come and change me, transform me, make me new. I choose to be a forgiver in this city. I choose to, to, to love. I choose to be polite. I choose to be kind. That's what a life controlled by the Spirit looks like. And out of that flow your gifts. Out of that flow opportunities. Out of that flow all these things that, quite frankly, Galatians 5 doesn't even suggest. And even, it just tells us this is, this is what happens to you. But the possibilities are endless. And that's the good news for today. The gospel comes to transform our lives and presents for us endless possibilities that bring peace and bring joy and bring healing to this world that's so broken. We are, we are in desperate need of rewiring in this, in this society, in this culture. Would you agree with that? We are, we are so triggered. I mean, it's like if somebody doesn't agree with you, disagreement means you don't like them. What is that? Get that out of here. That's not, no, no, I, I can still love you and still walk with you in community and disagree with you. Okay, married folk in the room, your spouse. <laughs> when you and your spouse butt heads, disagree, you don't dislike that person. You don't not, you stop loving them. You just, you just get through it. It's healthy. And I would say, yes, to have disagreement and adversity and to work through it is a measure and a mark of a healthy relationship. Would you not? So just look at the areas of your life, the dynamics at work, people, home, the most intimate spaces. Man, how are you, how are you navigating disagreement or, uh, you know, beef? <laughs> As the young folks say, smoke, right? You got, you got smoke with somebody? Hey, man, get through it. That's healthy, amen? Go through life, never just, you know, on this, on this cloud, nothing. No, man, that's not realistic. And that's not, that's not what, what, what the Apostle Paul, according to Galatians 5, is even suggesting. What he's suggesting is there is a choice because you are at war with yourself every day and you got to choose to live into the spirit of the flesh. That's what he's suggesting. 